Good evening, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me once again. I am broadcasting, live streaming, pre-recording from a remote destination. We are currently in Florida, the promised land, which I did not expect to be like a zillion, million, bajillion degrees, but I should have known. I just was kind of naive about the temperature, but it's all good. I am enjoying it. Look, if you can see out the window here, we have palm trees. I am so excited. It's beautiful down here. People are super, super nice. Everybody drives really laid back, which is a huge upgrade as far as I'm concerned, even if it sometimes drives me crazy from being in like a really condensed city situation. So I am really looking forward to being down here. I cannot wait to live in the DeSantis state. Today, I think, or possibly tomorrow, we're going to go to a dog beach where you can let your dog off the leash and let them run around. And it sounds like, well, a Google review told me it was, quote, the happiest place on earth. And I cannot wait to see all these happy dogs and see the beach and see if our dog is going to love it. I'm sure she will. It's going to be awesome. Also, in other news, the baby has started kicking me square in the bladder, which is awesome. <laughs> I'm really enjoying that for sure. It's actually really fun to be able to feel but I sense it's gonna get kind of irritating at like three in the morning. Andy is also over to my left. He's doing some of his work over here, so he won't be joining me. I was trying to get him to do that. And today I'm running a very ghetto scene using my phone to pull up articles for you guys because right now I'm not connected to the internet because we need to troubleshoot that after I'm done here. And once Andy's done with IT for his company, he's gonna help me with my personal IT needs because he is great with all of that stuff. All right, you guys, I hope that everything's going well for you guys. I hope you are enjoying the start of summer break. I hope that those those parents out there are not drowning with having their kids back at home if their kids are no longer in school. I hope you're enjoying being with your kids and having fun doing some of these summer activities. I personally, on this trip, I am looking for alligators. I've been looking at every single body of water to try to see if I can see one, but so far, no luck. Um, I'm gonna be keeping my eyes open. We'll see what happens. I will definitely keep you guys posted if I see anything like that and keep the dog far away from them. Today I want to talk about Tucker Carlson because he did a short little 10 minute live stream during which he unpacked like a boatload of crazy, crazy conspiracy theories, which I thought was great. Um, I got the feeling, I'll give you my analysis first and then I'll read you all these crazy headlines because the left media is wild about this. Not, I mean, exactly as you would expect, not in a good way. Um, this to me looks like a man who was born in the 50s trying to figure out how to work YouTube or Twitter. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing here. It's not easy. If you know how to make content, that's great, but it's not the same as actually going on to a platform and figuring out how to make it happen. Now, he did get tons and tons and tons of views on this. Last I checked, I think it had, how many views did it have, babe? I thought it had like 125 million views on Twitter, which is absolutely wild, what way more. Huh? What is a woman? No, no, no. Tucker Carlson's little oh, 10 minute. No, no, no. Yeah, it had millions and millions of views. It was a huge success. And the mainstream media obviously cannot handle this. So let's read some of these headlines. The Washington Post. Tucker Carlson launches new show with a remarkable retreat. Oh my. Again, the New York Times. Tucker Carlson posts first installment of new show on Twitter. That's fine. That's really neutral. Good for them. It's very hard for them to be neutral. I'm very impressed. Tucker Carlson here from The Guardian. <laughs> this one's my favorite. Tucker Carlson peddles conspiracy theories on Twitter debut from Barn. 
I love it. I will tell you right now that I would literally rather watch someone from a barn than some of these commentators on CNN. Andy and I were watching CNN last night. They could not figure out why people are fleeing San Francisco. I'm not even joking. They're like, well, I think it's probably the pandemic. And also technology appears to be dead. And I was like, what? What is wrong with you people? They cannot say what's actually causing the problem. They cannot say that it's Republic, that it's Democrat-run cities. They can't say it's left-leaning policies. They just can't. So they have to pretend it's the pandemic. They have to pretend it's all this other stuff. They have to pretend that technology is in retreat. Wild stuff. Let's see what um, David French has to say. Oh, boy. Okay, great. We love us some David French over here. Tucker's first Twitter broadcast was an implicit confession of yet more irresponsible journalism. I hope you like my drama tone. He used to claim the Biden administration blew up Nord Stream. No longer. In this analysis, the title, the headline from Washington Post is Tucker Carlson's dizzying retreat from his big Ukraine conspiracy theory. And the first comment, of course, is he's a Russian asset, etc. Philip Bump from the Washington Post says, saw a guy on social media who filmed himself saying that the media is lying to you and covering up UFOs. Of course, he is referring to Tucker Carlson. Tom Gara, I don't know who that is. He's probably not important. My God, this Tucker Carlson description of Zelensky, sweaty and rat-like, a comedian turned oligarch, a prosecutor, persecutor of Christians, a friend of BlackRock. So he's quoting the independent, so he is not a neutral source by any means. Aaron Rupar, of course, doing his thing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Urban Dictionary. Urban Dictionary is a really fun way to keep tabs on how language is evolving. It's written by ordinary people for ordinary people who want to keep up on all the new evolving hip lingo. There is a word in there called Rupar. If you want to Rupar someone, you have to take a clip of them completely out of context Strip it of all of its relative detail, relevant details, and then try to lie by omission by posting only that one thing. That is the legacy that Aaron Rupar has made for himself. So with this, let's read this tweet from him, unfortunately. It's, it's pretty funny. It's a meme. Tucker Carlson explaining to his boomer fans how to watch a Twitter video. There's an email from Tucker that says, Hey, friend, it's official Tucker's back. His new show, Tucker on Twitter launched last night. Don't have a Twitter account? No problem. Here's how you can watch. No payment or login required. He, then he tells them how to watch, which uh, as far as I'm concerned is just really good marketing. If you want people to see what you're saying, you need to tell them and show them how to do it. Now, Aaron, of course, is posting this picture of an, a younger guy helping an old guy walk, saying it's just a, a younger guy trying to show the boomers how to make it happen. The first comment here is Aaron explaining to his Zero fans how to watch the show he doesn't have. Oh my, spicy. Aaron goes on because of course he does. He is nothing if not obsessed. The first episode of Tucker's Twitter show has the vibe of a random low-budget YouTube commentary. And in terms of content, basically seems like a random segment from his Fox days, but it's racked up more than 5 million views in an hour, so there's clearly an appetite for it. Oh my. What an admission from Aaron Ubar. I think that's the closest thing to truth he's ever said. And this second comment says the obvious jealousy is obvious because I'm pretty sure Aaron Rupar has never done anything that's warranted anything remotely close to 5 million views at any point during his journalistic career. 
All right, so here we have, oh, it's just a random person. We won't put them on blast. We have Aaron Blake from the Washington Post. Great. Below are all the times Tucker Carlson claimed as fact Biden blew up Nord Stream. He accused the admin of terrorism. After Tuesday's WAPO report, Tucker now says it was Ukraine. Interesting. I'm curious to know more about that. I actually don't know what happened with Nord Stream, but I actually, I also know that a commentator on a news network is allowed to say things like, this is what I think happened. This is who I think did it. Do with that information what you will. And that's exactly what Tucker did. That's what Rachel Maddow did with Trump. Remember Trump's tax returns? Yeah, same energy. And they ended up clearing her in court for sure. And there's lots of anti-fangirling, whatever it is. Talk of anti-Semitism from Tucker Carlson. Give me a break. It's, it's very tiresome. They use the same attacks every single time. He's racist. He's xenophobic. He doesn't like Ukraine. How dare he? He's anti-Semitic. He believes in aliens. He believes in 9-11 conspiracies. Oh my gosh. He listens to people who shouldn't be given a platform. It's it's boring. It's stupid. And this is why the mainstream media is dying and Tucker Carlson is doing well, as he will continue to do, I'm sure, even as he figures out how to make this work for him. So I personally am thrilled for him. I think it's going to be awesome. I don't think his voice is going anywhere. I think his voice is sorely needed because one of the things I was noticing um, after he quit at Fox or was fired was that he says the things that ordinary people think about and care about, but nobody else is addressing. That's kind of his, that's his beat, right? That's his bread and butter. He talks about stuff that other people are actually worried about in ways that no other news network does. Certainly not CNN. I could not believe the way they were trying to frame why businesses are fleeing San Francisco. I was like, maybe it's the rampant robbery brought about by left-leaning DAs. Possibly? I don't know. Maybe it's all the drug use and the homelessness that you guys enable with your ridiculous policies. What do I know? I'm not a CNN commentator. I could never be so smart. But yeah, I am looking forward to what Tucker does next. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Now, on the topic of CNN, Chris Licht is supposedly out at the network after a difficult run as CEO. And it just forces me to ask what Chris Licht to get himself fired from CNN. That's it. That's my joke. I've been wanting to make that joke for a really long time. What did he lick, though? Yeah, what did he lick? I need to know, okay? I got nothing. I'm assuming it was probably a person, ostensibly a lady, maybe a gentleman, but we'll never know. Who was the guy with the, um, the Zoom call? Zoom. Oh, Jeffrey Tubin. No, don't bring up Tubin. That memory is traumatic to me. I don't like that. No, hopefully Licked wasn't Tubin it. I don't think he was. <laughs> Actually, he came under fire for hosting Trump in the town hall because he thought that, that would bring in the likes, clicks, shares, and views, and the fury watching, right? And he was right to some extent, but I think that his network just rebelled out from under him, which was fascinating to watch. Really, really interesting to watch the journalists, the arbiters of truth, talking about how little they cared to hear a differing perspective. Not surprising, just depressing. So let's read a little bit from the Washington Examiner. CNN CEO Chris Licht <laughs> is stepping down from his position at the cable network after just a year on the job. 
Licht, who started his position in May 2022, has been embroiled in criticism internally and externally as he attempted to win back trust in the media organization by repositioning the network. That's right, he was trying to make CNN less biased, which I personally really respected. I thought it was nice that he was going to try to bring in voices from both sides of the, uh, the aisle. I thought that was a really good idea. Um, but this this network cannot tolerate that. They, they literally can't. They exist inside a vacuum where only their opinions matter and anyone else's are actually toxic. So let's read. I have great respect for Chris personally and professionally. David Zaslav, president and CEO of CNN's parent company, Warner uh, Bros. Discovery said, Discovery, excuse me, I cannot read in a statement. The job of leading CNN was never going to be easy, especially at a time of huge disruption and transformation, and he has poured his heart and soul into it. While we know we have work to do is uh, we look to identify a new leader, we have absolute confidence in the team we have in place and will continue to fight for CNN and its world-class journalism, he added. Warner Bros. Discovery did not announce a full-time replacement for Licht, but said it has a strong interim leadership team to lead the cable network in the meantime. Earlier Wednesday morning, CNN media reporter Oliver Darcy confirmed Licht was out after various reports suggested the CNN boss had stepped down. Licht had been under increased criticism from CNN hosts, so this is not external, this is internal, with recent programming decisions, including hosting former President Donald Trump for a town hall on the network on May, in May. For the town hall, Trump had not appeared on the network since the 2016 presidential election. CNN host Anderson Cooper said viewers had, quote, every right to be outraged about the network hosting Trump, but Licht defended the programming decision to CNN staff by saying America was served very well, oh my gosh, it jumped, very well by what we did last night per the New York Times. Licht was also the subject of a lengthy piece in The Atlantic last week titled Inside the Meltdown at CNN, which detailed Licht's tenure with the network with interviews from the CEO over several months. The Wall Street Journal reported Licht apologized to CNN staff earlier this week for being the subject of headlines with The Atlantic story. I know these past few days have been very hard for this group, and I fully recognize that this news cycle and my role in it have overshadowed the incredible week of reporting we just had, distracting from the work of every single journalist in this organization, and for that, I am sorry. Licht had replaced Jeff Zucker, who was ousted from the network after it resurfaced that he had engaged in a romantic relationship with another executive. So, it was kind of interesting. Still not sure what happened there. I am curious. I'm pretty sure that all of this came from his own organization, which he probably could have anticipated and probably did at some level because he was just endlessly pushing to try to make it more middle of the road and more sane and less incredibly lefty and less biased. So good for him for trying, honestly. I don't know much about him besides his work at CNN, but it seemed like he really was attempting to do his best. So who knows? Who knows what happens next? CNN, I think, is not long for this world. Um, although even Chris Licks attempts to bring it back toward more, more of the center. We're really not working. But at the end of the day, we'll have to see. Just have to wait and see. I do not, I do not think that we're going to see much more of CNN in the future. Now, here is an interesting article from Fox News featuring our friend from the Bud Light debacle whose name we do not mention. Trans activist calls on brands to develop more trans partnerships after Bud Light fight. Quote, realize my power. This, this article is going to hurt to read. Bear with me. Anheuser-Busch has shed $27 billion in market value since partnering with trans influencer. 
Dylan Mulvaney, a transgender, oh, I read the name, forgive me, the transgender social media influencer whose polarizing partnership with Bud Light set off devastating backlash for the company, argues more brands need to put transgender people in the limelight, and he needs to understand that his solo, quavery little voice is up against billions of dollars in lost market value. I don't think it's going to work. Besides Bud Light, Mulvaney has in the past partnered with at least a dozen other major companies to sell women's products like sports bras, yes, very insulting, and makeup, also gross. The White House also invited him to interview President Biden last year. In an interview with LGBTQ digital mag- magazine Them, of course it's Them, on Tuesday, the activist argued it was important to leverage this power and privilege as a white trans person to help more trans people get the attention of brands. Okay, so this is the intersectionality at play. That's fun to see. For a long time, I felt so lucky that these opportunities were coming my way. I thought it was by accident. But now I realize how much power I actually have. If a brand wants to work with me so bad, then they should work with other trans people too. It's not enough to just hire me, this white, skinny, trans girl. I want all the dolls getting all the brand deals. So, okay, so here's what I think's happening here. This sounds like Dylan is just trying to push more trans people in advertising, but to me it also looks like an attempt to shift the spotlight away from himself, which is wise. I actually happen to know, and I did feel a little bit, I actually felt a little bit bad for this activist after this went down with Bud Light because I don't think this was expected. Um, I think they probably felt really guilty about what happened with Bud Light and like their their influence was kind of toxic, which it definitely is. And I'm glad that they feel that way to some degree, but we're all human. At the end of the day, I am forced to feel a little bit of empathy for them. So it makes sense to me, this attempt to move the focus away from themselves as narcissistic as, as they are. It's pretty clear that this is a bit of a a saving face effort. I prefer not to name any of these people because it gives them the satisfaction of believing they're on my mind It shows my followers I'm standing up for myself, but pushes that their narrative is loud enough to matter. So he won't even name the people who disagree with him. Probably because it would take too long, honestly. Let's just be fair here. But yeah, I think that this activist is starting to get a little bit of cold feet. We'll see what happens going forward with this person. I don't think that other big companies are going to touch this with a 10-foot pole, but could be wrong. All right, you guys, we have a little bit more to cover. Let me look at my storage folder here. Oh, yes, this is interesting. So I tweeted about this, and I tweeted something about how conservatives are always right, basically about the worst things and how the left always mocks them about it beforehand. Biden administration was weighing gas stove regulations long before the public knew, according to emails. The Biden White House was secretly looking at regulating gasoline-powered stoves earlier than previously known, according to emails obtained by Fox News Digital. As the report shows, Biden's Consumer Product Safety Commission was exploring the legal basis for cracking down on the kitchen appliances early as summer of 2022, this is last year. Last August, CPSC Commissioner Richard, Richard Trumka Jr. received an email from UA Vosper. I don't understand these names, just bear with me. A policy slash regulatory manager for We Act for Environmental Justice, ah, good, requesting a, quote, follow-up from a phone call the two had had in the beginning of June. During the conversation, Bosper said Trumka requested the Green Group evaluate the legal rationale for gas stove standards. 
Therefore, Vosper continued, I would like to meet as a follow-up to discuss and determine if I am on the correct path with my thought process for our organizational memorandum draft to further our advocacy on gas stove regulation. Trump co-replied to Vosper and scheduled another phone call. Commenting on the revelation, CPSC told Fox News Digital that it is not and has not been drifting towards a regulation of gas stoves, when of course it was, so they're lying! Just like they always do. Does this surprise any of you guys? Definitely not. Me either. I wanted to touch on, and we're not going to go too much longer because we've already been at it for more than 20 minutes. I'm going to see if I can pull this up. And I know this is a little bit of dicey territory, but we're going to do it anyway because it's really, 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 really important. So Matt Walsh had his producer call up a health organization affiliated with WPATH, if you guys are familiar with them. They are the World Something Organization of Trans Healthcare Providers or something. I'm just going to read you guys this thread. You can draw your own conclusions. I won't be able to show you the videos, but I'll just read what Matt said about them. If you don't follow Matt Walsh at Matt Walsh blog on Twitter, you are missing out. This is very important stuff. All right. One of a thread. Breaking. Largest trans healthcare providers in the U.S. are rubber stamping letters approving gruesome life-altering surgeries. It is such a racket that my producer was approved for testicle removal in hashtag 22 minutes. The tape is disturbing. I want that to trend. Two, first, some background. Ari Groner is a licensed clinical social worker who educates doctors on trans healthcare. At a recent training session for the Juniper Center, Groner explained that she writes whatever letters her patients want because she's not a, quote, gatekeeper. She shows a... There's a slide here if you can see it. Tips and tricks, beginning. So we have acknowledge power differential and difficulty sharing. That just sounds like postmodernism intersectionality. Use client language, explain the timeline, use guidelines provided. The following is a clinical assessment of readiness for blank, legally blank, for the purpose of blank. Is this helpful? Find templates. So there, she's giving pointers on how to make this happen. Grona was referred to the WPATH standards, which major hospitals follow, and that is a dangerous place to be, I will tell you right now. I'm sure we will get into that shortly. They require that trans patients obtain a letter before undergoing surgeries. Well, at least they require that. But this is very easily gamed, as we're about to find out. But Groner tells her audience to treat the letters as, quote, persuasive essays and to greenlight even suicidal patients. This is really dark. This is really dark, and I'm sorry that we have to get into this, but it's one of the things that's happening, and it's one of the things we need to know about. So let's let me see if I can pull up this slide from this horrible person. Tips and tricks, physical problems, binder, chest pain, cracked ribs, bathroom avoidance, dehydration and urinary issues, other mental health issues, differing, difficulty showering, social isolation, avoiding public to not be misgendered, don't feel comfortable at pool slash beach, physical relief, able to exercise, no more, no more menstrual cramps. It's very difficult to tell from this slide if these are arguments for or against pushing through a gender transition because I happen to know for a fact. I have seen the images. I have seen the diagrams and the videos demonstrating how these surgeries are performed. And it is, it's traumatic. And I don't say that lightly, and I rarely ever say that, but it is. Watching how they reconstruct this stuff, watching how they go in and try to create a female organ from a male organ, dis- 
disgusting, sickening, disturbing. I cannot believe we are signing off on this for kids, but this is how they do it. Groner explains that insurance companies won't pay for these surgeries unless the patient is diagnosed with gender dysphoria. So she says healthcare workers should provide the diagnosis. We are using that diagnosis, she says, to ensure clients get that necessary treatment. Life-saving, I'm sure she would call it. Groner explains, right, right, right. Whatever insurance companies might think of that, it's the industry standard. The popular trans telehealth service, Folks Health, Folks Health, F-O-L-X, Health, let that sink in. For example, instructs patients that even if they don't fit the definition of gender dysphoria, the diagnosis is needed so that insurers pay out. And this says you may not fit this diagnosis code exactly, but in some cases the code is needed in order for insurers to pay for the surgery. Folks, F-O-L-X, which provides letters authorizing surgeries for a nominal fee, goes on to admit that it's quite possible patients will receive a letter indicating a gender dysphoria diagnosis even if they really do not have dysphoria. Fascinating. So here from the site, the folks site, you can see here this clip. There's that bit highlighted we're about to read. It's quite possible the information in a letter may not be specific to you. For example, they may use a gender dysphoria diagnosis, but you really don't have gender dysphoria even if you don't, even if you want top surgery. Even if some of the details are not specific to you and your situation as you would like, it may be more helpful to understand some of the whys behind including such information for coding and or payment requirements. Be aware providers can use different versions of letter templates to meet these requirements. So they are gaming the insurance system and I feel like that's a form of fraud. I'm really curious what happens to this. So let's go on. We're not even to the good part yet. We reached out to folks about this. A staff member confirmed that a diagnosis of gender dysphoria with the word diagnosis in scare quotes is a requirement for insurance purposes, even if it, quote, doesn't apply. And this person is writing to Chelsea, who's actually Matt's producer, who's a male, saying, thanks for reaching out. My name is Blank. I'm one of the member navigators here at Folks. To answer your first question, yes, we provide letters of recommendation for gender-affirming surgeries and procedures. And then she has the party emoji, a little confetti emoji. It's so heartwarming to hear that you are out and happy, heart emoji. To my understanding, the diagnosis of gender dysphoria has become a requirement uh, to have gender-affirming procedures covered by your insurance, even though the diagnosis doesn't apply to all trans folks. She didn't spell folks right in this instance, but I guess we'll let it slide for my sanity. If you would like, you could speak with a folks clinician in a one-time telehealth visit to discuss your questions or concerns. Okay, so a one-time telehealth visit to determine whether this person is suited for a surgery. Let's read on. The largest trans healthcare provider in the U.S., Plume Clinic, runs a similar scam. They sell letters for $150 authorizing surgeries. That's how our producer Greg received approval for testicle removal after a 22-minute video call. And that's why he wants the hashtag 22 minutes to trend. In his intake form with Plume, Greg provided a fake legal name, Chelsea. He said he had dysphoria in the past, but he said he had never experienced it for six months or more. Under the current version of the DSM-5, that means he doesn't have gender dysphoria. Interesting, isn't that? Plume quickly scheduled Greg for video interview anyway. He assumed the identity of Chelsea. 
He didn't even attempt to pass. He badly mispronounced the name of the surgery he wanted. He made it clear he didn't know what effect the surgery would have. Nevertheless, Plume's nurse practitioner, these are highly educated people who earn a great deal of money for doing what they do. Nurse practitioners are one step down from doctors. They tend to be very trusted members of the healthcare profession because they have so much education and so much hands-on experience. This is going to undermine that. Greg tells her, okay, nurse practitioner said she wanted to write the most solid letter possible to justify surgery. Greg tells her that he once wrote an essay in school about being a woman, which everyone thought was ridiculous. Greg also tells Plume's nurse practitioner that his father has been prescribing his hormones for years. The nurse does not question this in any way. Instead, she says that arrangement is perfect. Yes, this arrangement is perfect where you're getting hormones from someone else who may or may not be prescribing these in the correct way, who may or may not know anything about what you're going through. Yes, it's his father, but you can't necessarily assume, especially if someone is trans, they will make the case that the trans person is definitely trying to hide their identity from their family. Three days later, Plume sent this letter to Chelsea, who does not exist, saying he was experiencing significant ongoing gender dysphoria. The letter strongly recommended Chelsea for testicle removal. Ari Chelsea, legal name Gregory, to whom it may concern, Chelsea is a patient in my care at Plume Health. You saw her once on video. She has been a patient here since 5-15-2023. She identifies as a trans woman and uses she, her pronouns. This gender identity is well established. By my independent evaluation of Chelsea, legal name Gregory, she meets criteria for gender dysphoria, ICD-10, F641. She has identified in her affirmed gender for six years and has been living as or expressing her affirmed gender for over two years. She has been on hormone therapy since April 2021. Despite these interventions, the reports significant, she reports significant ongoing gender dysphoria. She is seeking orchiectomy to help alleviate gender dysphoria, and it is my professional opinion that she would benefit from both medically, both medically and psychologically from orchiectomy, capital O, no word B. This procedure has been defined as medically necessary by the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, that's the WPATH, to treat gender dysphoria. Yes, because cutting off a piece of someone's body will rearrange what's in their head. Chelsea has met WPATH criteria for gender dysphoria and is an appropriate candidate for orchiectomy. Chelsea has the capacity to provide informed consent for this procedure. I anticipate this will help her make significant process in further treating her gender dysphoria, and I therefore recommend and refer Chelsea to have the surgery. Plume Health currently operates on a virtual telehealth basis, so for a preoperative risk assessment or for postoperative care, Patients will need to see their primary care provider or surgeon. If you have questions, please do not hesitate to contact me. Sincerely, blank, nurse practitioner. The letter keeps capitalizing orchiectomy without an and before it, as if it's just a copy pasted into the template. Greg followed up to learn why he'd been diagnosed with gender dysphoria. Plume admitted they just used the letter templates provided by WPATH. So Greg says, just taking in on this, to make sure this will be okay in the letter, I'm not really considering myself dysphoric, so I wanted to check on that one thing. Otherwise, letter looks great. Thank you. Hi, Chelsea. Coordinator with Plume. I will page your provider on this and see what she says. I know we write letters based on WPATH templates, 
but I can ask you, your provider, if it's necessary to have it, and if not, perhaps it can be removed. Later, Plume's nurse practitioner confirmed that in order for surgery to be paid for, the dysphoriatic diagnosis had to remain. At the same time, the nurse appeared to be confused as to why Chelsea had requested testicle removal in the first place. Chelsea says, Hi, thanks for getting back to me. I was just saying I don't feel too dysphoric right now, but it's okay to keep it in the letter, right? And this nurse practitioner denoted as she, her, hers. Wonderful. Oh, okay. Well, the surgery is related to the gender dysphoria, which you were diagnosed with. It is controlled with hormone replacement therapy, but in order for the surgery to be paid for as GCS, I'm not sure what that is, it will need to be related to your gender dysphoria, which you are diagnosed with. Does that make sense? Or is the orchiectomy not gender confirming? So she didn't know why Greg had asked for the surgery. This scam is the cutting edge of trans healthcare. After launching just a couple years ago, Plume now operates in 41 states. Folks with an X is in 47 states. How is it possible they've expanded so quickly? Excuse me. The answer is that there's big money behind this. Plume and Folks raised more than $45 million last year. Craft Ventures just led Plume's $14 million fundraising round. Craft Ventures is a venture fund dedicated to the craft of building great companies. Interesting. Is David Sachs aware this is going on? David Sachs is the VC of Craft Ventures, and he is not a liberal. Our Transform CPTL, let's see, Transform is Transformation Capital. General Catalyst is another capital place. Slow is Slow Ventures, okay, Venture Capitalism, or Town Hall Ventures. Are they all in on this? Insurance companies like Aetna, United Health, and Cigna work with Plume. Do they know they're paying for surgeries based on obviously false information? Some states have restricted this kind of medicine. Florida, for example, currently passed a law, recently passed a law banning most trans telehealth services. Trans activists and the Associated Press have complained the law is, quote, onerous. They're furious because they know that gender transition industry is corrupt and fraudulent from the ground up. Protecting kids is just one piece of the puzzle. The fight begins there, but it doesn't end there. The whole industry needs to be shut down. That is Matt Walsh. The top comment is from Elon Musk, who says insane with two exclamation points. And I would just like to take this time to remind everyone that Elon Musk actually has a trans child. So he takes this stuff very personally. And I commented that this does get worse daily. So... I just wanted to bring that to you guys' attention. They have details. They have evidence of what happened there. They had somebody go in and actually try to get the surgery that then they were able to get signed up for really easily and really quickly. Utterly terrifying. Somebody commented that it's wire fraud um, and some other form of, is it wire fraud? Yep. Some kind of fraud, some kind of insurance fraud. Going to be keeping an eye on that one for sure. Matt is great about getting this stuff done and I'm so happy to see where he ends with this. All right, you guys, I feel like I'm going to die. I have a baby jumping up and down on my bladder. Now I have heartburn. <laughs> I'm dying. We are also going to go check out the dog beach. So which, wish us luck with that. I will try to take pictures for you guys and put them over on the Lighter Dips on Instagram, T-H-E-L-E-I-T-E-R-D-I-P-S. That's where we post pictures about Dip and Dot. We're both out of our care right now. They're with friends and family being looked after very well, but we do miss them very much. We got to go check out this beach and see if we'll like it. Hope you guys will stay safe, stay well, and stay out of Target. All right? Bye, guys.